one of the things that I needed to focus on and that we needed to focus on was marketing. So not even just customer service, but marketing. How, because each business, when you're thinking of restaurants and things of that nature, each restaurant in itself should be market different because you don't know your demographic. I can't look at this restaurant and say, I'm gonna market or I'm gonna get this information from them because that may not work for the customers over here. Hey, what's going on? Is your host, Tolu Oyemi, doing the most? Let's get to it. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at T-O-L-U.O-W-O-Y-E-M-I. Now back to the episode. Hey, what's going on, my masterminders? I am super excited to bring to you guys another episode. Man, we got the queen of Airbnb in the house, Marcia Davis. This is an entrepreneur from restaurants to marketing to Airbnb. And God knows she's just beginning to tap into her potential, man. So, Marcia, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm super excited. So, yeah, I love being part of the podcast today. Thank you. Nah, thank you for taking the time out. Because even when I spoke to you earlier, you were like, yo, I'm pinning together things for the Airbnb. I'm picking up items, <laughs> furniture, you know, like, and that's what the hustle is about. That's what it's about. Making sure that things are furnished, making sure that people feel comfortable in those settings, making sure that, you know, the, the, it's up to par. It's something whereby people want to stay at. So the reason I'm excited to talk to you is because the Airbnb industry is so hot nowadays. People are talking about it. People want to get in. Yeah. They, re- they realize that it's a, but why, why do you think it's so hot in terms of people just quickly wanting to get into it? I think it's really hot because it's the easiest thing to get in when it comes to, because Airbnb, I mean, it's kind of like up and down that people think people, some people consider it real estate, some people don't. So you just have to choose if you were considering it real estate and you consider it don't. But regardless of the fact, whichever one you consider, it's the easiest thing that has to do with real estate to jump into. Not only can you jump, I mean, in so many ways, you can jump into it without owning any property. You can jump into it without bringing any money. You can jump into it now without even bringing any money up front that people don't even know that. So having the options to own multiple property and earn so much money with doing it, you know, it's really unlimited. So that's why people are like, really, because everybody knows that when it comes to real estate, that's the biggest way to wealth is real estate market. Mm, Talk about it. Queen, queen, queen. Okay. So, you know, to kind of give people a backstory on, you know, who you are and where you came from, I I did a little bit of research and I saw, I was like, wow, like, (laughs) I saw that you eat restaurants, the ATL fusion barbecue portrait on a plate. So obviously this isn't your first round of business, but kind of tell people about, you know, where your background story and kind of like some of your early experiences with business. Sure, absolutely. You really don't. You found those too. You really don't been doing some research. But yeah, um, I'm currently married, three kids. I came from St. Louis, Missouri. Most people don't know. I think I've been an entrepreneur from like a young age. I always knew that I was going to work for nobody but myself. I always had that mainstream. I always been someone who jump at the opportunity or do things on a whirlwind kind of. Got married at like 19 years old. So to one of my best friends on a whirlwind, I bought a house at eight, 
eight, 19. We bought a house at 18, 19 years old that early. First person really to buy a house in our family. And within about four or five months, I decided I didn't want to live in the house that we bought. Not only did we really decide that we don't want to be in the house, I don't want to be in the state no more. <laughs> so wow. we just kind of like took the opportunity. And I always knew that I wanted to move into Atlanta because, you know, everybody just feels like, you know, it's more gold in here. It's a lot more opportunity here. So, you know, packed up everything, rented out the house, decided we was going to move to Atlanta. We actually moved to Atlanta, supposed to receiving a check, didn't get that check. So in reality, we moved here with $100 in our bank account already into an apartment with rent doing 30. So we kind of had to, yeah, had to figure out that situation, figure out the, um, the game of doing that. Early on when we moved down here, I figured out daycare was very expensive down here. <laughs> daycare is over $250 per kid per week. Wow. So with that being said, that was my first business. I opened up a daycare, just, you know, researching it at that age. I started off with one child and within about two to three weeks, I had filled the daycare where I had a waiting list and couldn't get any other kids in. Where, and this where, is inside of an apartment. Where do you think your um, entrepreneurship drive came from or your your a skill and ability or your parents entrepreneurs uh, or somebody in the family no i necessarily think um it was a drive for myself i had ended up having kids and when i had my daughter i always wanted to make sure that they were secure they had a better opportunity in their life than i had that has always been my goal like not saying that i had a bad childhood but i would give them the best you know what i'm saying and my model has everything that i have always did has been to the extreme so i knew that really wasn't going to be and i always knew that i wanted to work for myself i think that more came from my dad a little bit like as well I mean my mom too but just knowing that you know I had to rely on myself you know and I couldn't make any excuses really couldn't do anything you know can't make excuses for your childhood can't really make excuses for what your parents may have did or anything that happens you have to make an opportunity for yourself and that's what I've always tried to do so yeah nah and I think you, you know what's interesting is that they get to see you in that hustle they get to feed off of it because yeah. hey look you know what they see you do they're going to end up doing uh, having those characteristics and traits so that that hustle is going to get in their dna and they, they always going to remember like nah like i want to build my own i don't necessarily want to work for somebody for all of my life and um i think that's part of like the generational wealth not only giving money but giving mindset too as well absolutely and my kid and the crazy thing is my kids are like that they all of them really want to work for themselves every last one of them they kind of i do have one that does want to go to college and see what the opportunity has to lies in college but for us my other two it's like we're taking over this business teach us like they're feeding into what I'm doing. I feed in, I take them along. They feed into what they, they have questions. They're at, they're asking questions. They want to, and it's so crazy because it's not like we sit around telling our kids like, this is going to be your, like they know it. Like they, it's like, y'all don't have to tell us. We know this is ours when you guys can't do it. They just fed into it and kind of jump right into it to, to know. They tell their teachers. <laughs> oh man, that's amazing. So they pretty much already know. This is not like a conversation where we're like, okay, if something happens, this nothing. They already know. Like this belongs wow. to us. Show us how to do it. Show how. And that's 
to every business that we own, including like the restaurants. They love to work. My daughter just worked at a restaurant this weekend. So like they jump in when they need to, to run any business that we have, it's all hands on deck. And that's how it's supposed to be, you know, because the earlier they can learn and think about, I think the new generation is always bringing new ideas, how to scale, how to uh, make the operations yep. more efficient, how to use technology, cloud computing. There's a whole bunch of different things that that younger generation, how to use the power of social media, you know, running uh, digital marketing ads and um, things of that nature as they get older and older. So from the daycare, how did that, uh, so did you, are you, do you still run that daycare or did you kind of like take the, the money and the momentum you have from that and kind of like started a new business? That's exactly what happened. We basically started up a new business after the daycare because even though the daycare made a ton of money, I'm not gonna lie, it makes a it was more of you 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 want to start another business with daycare but then it it was one of those businesses where I would force myself to make sure that I'm inside the daycare because I never wanted to leave nobody else's child with somebody else mm. and have that liability of somebody else's kid. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, I did I couldn't hire anybody because I didn't want that responsibility if something happened to someone that I would be liable for it. So we ended up taking that money and putting it into basically getting a restaurant. So with the daycare and also my husband was working full time at the same time. And also we did a huge job that's like a long time <laughs> um, we did a huge job for the city of Atlanta and it just helped us basically get a building and that's basically Portrait on the Plate which is on Veterans Memorial that was our first big catering company that we started and now it's like really it's huge here. yeah and the, the Portrait on a Plate talk to us about that a little bit because it, the name itself sure. is, is fascinating Portrait on a Plate and so the city of Atlanta I'm assuming, you know, if they have some kind of function or, or gathering or if there's events happening in the city, one of the first places they come to is Portrait on the Plate. Absolutely, because we are one of the, I consider one of the biggest cater, African-American catering companies right now that's here in Atlanta. So if they're having a wedding, we really specialize in corporate catering. So we do a lot of things like for the hospitals or offices, anything like that. So we have different chefs that come in and they prepare the food and we basically take it to the different offices for their catering. We also do weddings. We're really big. We've worked with the radio station, a lot of big name people. We do a lot of catering for like just people who are maybe having just like a small function at their house um, and things like that. And it's not just us. So Portrait of the Play 2 came an instance because my husband used to work at a I don't know if you heard of Ruth Chris Steakhouse yep. but he worked there before uh huh and he knew other chefs that worked at mainstream restaurants like some of the country clubs P.F. Chang's restaurant McCormick and so it was like what if we can take these chefs that people don't have access to like you may want a McCormick chef to cook for you you may want someone from pf change one what if we put them all inside one location where you can contact us um and get one of those chefs and that's that's how portrait on a plate becoming basically the food it's a portrait that's kind of designed on the plate that's where that came and who who came up with that idea who was like you know what we should do catering oh did somebody did like a uh a relative or a friend like hey do you know somebody that can cook and then your husband was like you know what i'm a chef i could whip something no up. 
he's been he's he's graduated from culinary school. Oh, wow. So he went to chef school back in St. Louis. So he had already graduated and worked at a ton of different places, including casinos and different things like that before we even moved down here. And so he's always wanted to cook. It was me who didn't have an interest in cooking. <laughs> I knew oh. business. I've been doing business. You know, I study business. I went to school for business. So I knew business. So it's like, let me invest in him and invest in this bigger to what it is. And let's you know, branch all the businesses off of that. And that's exactly what we did. We ended up starting there and that's how we ended up getting ATL Fusion Barbecue and some other things that we started doing oh, as wow. well. And we have a temporary rental company. So, and I think for ATL- So we have a lot of different things. Nah, that's that's super dope. And it's beautiful, the faith that you have, you know, investing money into your husband's business so that, you know, and yeah. to see it scale and grow. And I think, you know, from the, the, I just see consistently like the food that's being put up on the pages is so, it looks so delicious and so like dripped out to saucy, and, you know, it's just irresistible. I even think I saw one where there was this uh, influencer. She took off her eyelashes. Oh. <laughs> off. She started, she was like, mm. Yeah, so you've really been on the page. So absolutely. We invest a lot of time and necessarily money and um, updating it, trying to make sure our restaurant is very big on customer service. So when we started ATL, that was the main thing, trying to make sure the food was good and trying to make sure that the customer base was very happy. You know, being a very being an African-American business, it could be hard. Definitely when it's a restaurant, because nobody gonna critique us like we critique ourselves. I'm saying. That's right. <laughs> so you, we gotta be, you know what I'm saying, 10 times better than the next person. So making sure we stayed up on customer service and all of that. But one of the biggest things is when opening a restaurant, I think one of the things that I needed to focus on and that we needed to focus on was marketing. So not even just customer service, but marketing. How, because each business, when you're thinking of restaurants and things of that nature, each restaurant in itself should be market different because you don't know your demographic. I can't look at this restaurant and say, I'm going to market or I'm going to get this information from them because that may not work for the customers over here. So I'm saying, I know my customers are not like real upscale type. They're mainly family oriented. They're living in a neighborhood. They're, you know, either that or my, the same customer base is they're coming from off of line from influencers um, and they're driving a long way. So it's either going to be one of the two, a customer that's driving a long way who have heard about us, who's listened to heard us on a radio or seen an influencer, or they're in a neighborhood type customers. But, and we don't have a sit down restaurant. So we had to kind of play off of that to find what was our niche. Like, mm. and that's why if you paid attention, we wanted to make sure that everybody felt like they were a part of the restaurant, a part of the build out. And so one of our niches is everyone comes in and they sign the wall. So we have all of our restaurant on the inside. If you notice, they sign the inside of the wall, they sign the building, they, <laughs> they put their Instagram, like they feel that they are a part of building the restaurant. And I think, you know, especially for our community, our community values things like that. You know, uh, yeah, the 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 collective or you know the coming together, the tribe, the village. You know, like that. Being able to know there's a spot where you feel comfortable, you can see your own kind in there. And I, I ain't even gonna lie, man. Like I saw some of the comments people were talking about. Like right after they get off work, they're gonna come by, pick up a plate, and you know, on their, their way back yeah. home, and. You know, it's almost become 
a natural part of people's lifestyle. Oh yeah, I'm just uh, yeah. As soon as I'm done with it, I'm, I'm coming right through there. I pick up a plate and, and and head on through. And I think what's exciting too as well is to see you know people refer other people. You know, word of mouth. Yeah, yeah, we're really big. We're really big on word of mouth. So I think it's a blessing. Like I said, being part of the community in itself, I have to say that they very, very welcoming. You know, to us, they they felt like even when we did this huge build out last year that took about three months, the community really felt like that they were part of it. We used to didn't even have a drive through. So when the pandemic hit, we had to figure out a way to switch it up really quick. And my husband thought, let's do a drive through. And I must say that that must have been we were already doing pretty good but that was one of the bigger ways that made us do even well because now it kind of more catered to those people who are now coming who don't want to get out the car who necessarily yep. and i had to think about that too when i go places and i'm tired and something i don't look to go to like a you know an applebee's or go inside mcdonald's i go straight through the drive through you know what I'm saying? and they're willing to even though we, we're not the fastest people in the drug because this food is kind of like cooked to order they're willing to wait because they want good barbecue you know and who mm. who would ever think of a barbecue restaurant with a drive through so that's that was one of the blessings that's, itself yeah that's genius and then i think stuff like that is what gets pr's attention because the pr people are always looking yeah. for like a story they always want like an interesting spin something new that hasn't been done before and what what do you think about competitors out there because i know atlanta whenever i think of atlanta i always think of like black rich excellence you know big movers you know people just doing business at some of the highest levels more sophisticated but i think there was a restaurant like slutty vegan or something like that and there's all these i know, love pinky <laughs> oh awesome I, you know one thing that's interesting is that some people may see that as competition but that's another thing that could be also collaboration whereby it's ATL Fusion Barbecue Time Slutty Vegan. And you guys do like a pop-up. And you know what? I never consider it competition. I always think that somebody who's doing something that we're not, who's innovative, that that's a person to ask like, hey, that's the time to say, hey, okay, I'm seeing what they're doing. You're not, not necessarily focusing on the people, but maybe it's something, because when I seen Pinky, I actually reached out to her and believe it or not, I actually met with her and, you know, just showed her our menu and she gave us some great ideas to change up our menu and how and what to offer and all that. And it worked out amazingly. So shout out to Pinky for everything that she's doing and as well as like helping out, helping me, you know, revive our menu situation. I think that was perfect. I definitely know competition. At these days, we all are kind of, as African-Americans should be as one. We should be making sure each one, you know, is trying to be successful. I don't look at it as a competition as well. Like I said, she, when I reached my hand out and asked the question, she not only took the question, she met with me and answered my question and she did. And it was late at night too, like late. So that was something that she didn't have to do. And I, so I, definitely I, 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 I think you're, you're, you're completely right marcia in terms of like it being a collaborative effort and not comp like you see one person is down on, there on the luck lifting back up like help like you said the pointers and tips and like the, the menu reviving and you know giving those tips specifically on it that's awesome and you know what's actually interesting is that when you look at atlanta as a whole right it's almost seen mm -hmm. as like the black mecca you know what i'm saying in terms of like if you're black and you're smart this is the place for you to be at or you know like black <laughs> awesome awesome now 
you know, going a little bit more into Airbnb, what 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 caught your attention? Was it your husband that was like, oh, I delivered or food was delivered to a place by one of your employees and somebody there said they had an extra space? Like, I, I find that like, did somebody tell you about an opportunity or was it like you started noticing people? Like, how did the Airbnb? Absolutely. So it was exactly what you just said. It's basically I noticed an opportunity. I've always been in the hospitality industry. Like that always been something that piqued my interest. I actually, like I told you that we bought a house and it was in St. Louis, Missouri. So when we moved to Atlanta, we rented that house out. To be honest, made no money off this house. Every month there was something wrong. We had to fix something. We had to, The person was paying their rent. But if you are paying this and I have to pay the mortgage and then I got to pay $500 for this and $200 that and I'm making a hundred dollars a month it becomes so stressful it's like I'm working all this time to just get one or two hundred maybe three hundred dollars a month that makes no sense so when it came time I actually had when the tenant had moved out I was like I'm just gonna sell the house so I actually was flying back to St. Louis to prepare the house to sell but at that time VRBO um our verbo was bigger than Airbnb. No one really knew about Airbnb right now. They were talking about VRBO all the time. So I went there to stay. I didn't think there was gonna be any vacation homes in St. Louis, but I looked on the site and Lord behold, there is, you know, vacation rentals in St. Louis, Missouri. And I'm like, okay, I really didn't think that, but I'll go ahead and see um, on VRBO, it actually has the host phone number. So it's not like Airbnb, because Airbnb, you don't have the host phone number until you book. But HomeAway and VRBO, you do. So I was just calling the guy just to check on the house that I was going to stay in down there. Mind me, I'm going to sell my house. And it was an older white Caucasian gentleman, believe it or not, it had to be like in his 70s. And I happened to ask him, I was like, hey, can I ask you? Just about to tell him, I'm like, I'm coming down there like to sell my house because he did ask me, what was I coming to town for? You try to get all that information, make sure no one's having a party. So I'm actually coming into town to sell my house. I see that you have your house on there. How do you like, you know, like you're not scared to put your house on there? And the guy gave me his backstory. He said he's an entrepreneur. He had six different residents that he actually had with people inside his residence. So he did exactly what me and you talked about earlier. He had a daughter and his daughter lived in Florida and she started telling his dad like dad look we're not we're making a little bit of money we're profiting and making about $14,000 a year on each property I, I'm saying this thing called VRBO where we can rent it out we can rent it out for two three hundred dollars a night if she, you know it's a better opportunity she's coming up at that time this is in 2015 now and he's like he said no 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 for about two years and then one of his tenants who were in one of the houses didn't pay their rent for six months. And they finally got that tenant out. Yeah, so now he's lost all this money from somebody not paying rent. He finally gets that tenant out and the daughter was like, let me take the property. Let me, let me, matter of fact, I will buy the property from you. I know, you know, and he's like, no, I'm not gonna let you buy it, but I'll let you just go ahead and take over. And he's thinking that she's gonna put a renter in there. And it turns out she furnishes it, puts it on VRBO, and makes $42,000 in one year. So when he's seen, of, of course, at the end of the year, when he's seeing the paperwork, he said he was amazed because he thought it was something that was made up. It's like, no way she made $42,000 off of one of his property. And when she showed him the numbers and showed him the books, he was like, I mean, as the people started, he never even renewed another lease. As they their leases started coming to an end, he got rid of all of his tenants and replaced them and let her make all of six of his properties vacation rentals. And when he did that, he's made over 
he well, he said close to half a million dollars just off of six properties. Oh my god! So that's that triggered a lot in you, huh? Yeah, because I'm like off of six properties, you made a half a million dollars. Now we still got to go back to that was in the VRBO, and that's when nobody really. So that's when you can take a house and put it on Home Web VR and make two three hundred dollars a night because a person's gonna want to stay in a two three bedroom house and pay that type of money. You know, he's probably getting a little bit less now because Airbnb don't came into the game. But at that time, for those couple you know years that he was in before anybody else in. He was making the money. So now we'll start spinning in my head. Okay, so let me come down and see if I am steady selling my property because I have it and I'm not paying that much rent on it. Let me see if I can start a business. So I got my sister and, you know, convinced her to go into business with me because, you know, I don't live there. So let's go 50-50, furnish this place and put it on VRBO. And at that time, that's how I ended up finding um, Airbnb. But actually, um, once I put it on VRBO, a company that works with VRBO reached out to us. Um, they were a management company and they are the ones who initially, cause you know, like I said, Airbnb, I wasn't even thinking about them said, Hey, there's another platform called Airbnb. We're going to put it on there too. So they helped add it to Airbnb. And when we see the type of numbers we were making, you know, we were making over $3,000 a month on this house. When at first I was only making $800 the house, including the rent, you know, paying the $300 market. So now I've tripled my money and it's like, okay, how can we scale now? So that's, I think where the lacking was because then when we went to scale, you know, now you want to buy more property, but you have to go to the bank and the bank is asking this and the bank is asking that and the bank want to make sure your debt to ratio the bank doesn't want to see airbnb on your banking statement so they're not even considering that income let's take that for one but once they see that on your bank statement they don't even consider airbnb as income so you it's a way you have to manipulate that and play with that to make sure that you're receiving all of your income with your actual corporate unit and so at that time when we were doing it um the house was doing very good the problem was the neighborhood. Mm. They started, the neighborhood realized that it was an area. That's why it, it really, you really have to make sure you pay attention to what neighborhood you're putting your Airbnb in. Because people will realize cars in and out. They pay attention to their neighbors. So when they're seeing different cars, they realize that some days people were not here. And they started breaking into the house and stealing the TVs. Like every other week we would put a TV in there as soon as we put it in there, we'll come get it the same night and take it. What? In we probably bought, in essence, about four or five TVs, had nine break-ins in one month. Jeez. So that's when we realized, yeah. <laughs> that's when we realized, okay, so it's time to look for another location, but this is not going to be a, we're, we're going to end up having to get rid of this location because now we are losing money. Losing money, you know, we don't want any of our guests to be put at risk. You know, the neighborhood was a pretty good neighborhood, but now some kids don't move in the area. You know, it's not a really bad neighborhood, but the people who even your neighborhood could be great, but if the person across the street has a person that's on drugs, you know, then that that's definitely gonna that could affect your unit too. So that that's a possibility that people have to pay attention to their neighbors, not just the neighborhood, because the neighborhood was pretty good. It was the actual neighbors who was breaking into the house. So then we couldn't figure out how to scale, but I knew we needed to sell the house and make the money to flip it into something else. So that's exactly what we did. We went ahead and sold the house. I held on to the money and then I started researching how to scale Airbnb. Um, and after I researched it and I paid a coach, 
<laughs> which is one of the biggest things. Can, can we, can, I we hate pause, a can we pause there real quick? And I want everybody listening, right? Keywords. She paid a coach. So the reason why I said, can we pause right there is so that people can understand the importance of having a seasoned veteran, somebody that has the experience in your corner because they can help you avoid a lot of the pitfalls that other people go into and never recover, save massive amount of time, save massive amount of money. So if y'all out there looking for Airbnb, that's indicators not only the experience from everything that she has talked about so far but even the fact that hey she done went and paid her own dues earlier to get to where she is today so don't say oh nah i don't need anybody i i, I got this i can watch some youtube videos and you're gonna be ending up figuring it out for years and years before you know things click so now nah, marcia uh please continue oh i can absolutely tell them youtube videos are not people are not going to youtube videos are only to entice you to do something so i watched every youtube video on airbnb there's probably unless they have the new ones out and i still watch just different youtube videos i watched every video i actually tried to go do it myself and could not do it like got denied instantly. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing something wrong. I'm seeing, I thought this is what they said. And I'm like, let me just pay. Like, I don't have to go to school for this. I don't have to, let me just pay, get somebody, found somebody who I was very interested in. And I knew that was going in a direction that I wanted to be. Requested some calls from him and had him to coach me on how to do it. Instantly, the same day that I talked to this person, I had a unit by that by three o'clock. It was 11 o'clock I talked to him. By three o'clock, I had my first unit. Signed okay. lease, approval letter, all my documentation. I saved to my email with my approval letter instantly with my call from him and researching and all that. But I didn't just do that call. I continue to get mentorship. I continue to not only go through that coach, but go, go through one or two people and kind of not necessarily mix up the information because I try to make that's the one big thing that I think that people do. If they do get two separate coaches, these coaches may be coaching completely different. So you're gonna have this person running you this way, this person running this way. You have to make sure that the these coaches does not, not necessarily exact same thing, but they are pretty much on the same, you know, not even level. They're kind of like discussing the same things. So one is not telling you to, to go this way. They're basically adding value to each other. You know what I'm saying? If, if I'm speaking about this and speaking about that, it kind of all adds up to one. Yeah. And, and you can I, definitely get lost in the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> so already there, there's a lot of beautiful gems. There's a lot of incredible experiences from the first day of getting on the call to getting that unit like happening. It goes to show you that that acceleration and even we can dive into that a little bit but your mindset to say okay some people would have been like oh i got the coach i'm good i already got like i don't need any more mental i don't i don't need any more like i can just work with what i have but for you to go you know what let me let me level up my game even more let me let me understand absolutely these other coaches and their mindsets and how they their perspective on things and how they're running the businesses and let me pick let me absorb more game let me absorb more business skill, more business knowledge, more business experience. So, and that's interesting because you never know. Another thing with coaches and mentorships is that you can end up doing business with them. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. One thing that's interesting is that, so you said the first day, 
that you spoke to did he he told you like okay you want to call these type the coach. of so uh landlords or these type of apartments or something like that like, yeah basically he just right he basically just told me how to get on the phone how to speak what to say um what not to say you know one of the biggest things i tell people all the time when they're getting on the phone you are not your business is not an airbnb business so when people get on the phone what they tend to do is constantly mention the word airbnb like hey do you accept airbnb and you don't need to do that so that will automatically throw a red flag up to any apartment complex like oh no we don't do airbnb so that kind of throws them off and that's one of the one of the things that my mentor mentioned to me like don't go in there saying that because that's not your business you actually are have a corporate rental company or more of a short-term rental or temporary rental company so you need to kind of like focus on speaking that and with that company because airbnb is actually just a platform it's just another marketing tool that you use like how the apartments may use zillow to post then you're just using another marketing platform like Airbnb. So you don't even mention, there's no need to mention your marketing platforms. They're not asking you on any of these leases or these applications. They're not asking you, what are your marketing platforms? That's not asked of you. Now, if you go in and tell them that, then they don't want those type of marketing platforms used here at our location. So that's where, but if you are going in like, hey, we do re-rent these locations is how we, you know, we do, we do rent to like temporary nurses and stuff then they're fine with that. Mm. So basically going in and saying, hey, look, we're, we're a corporate entity, not coming in and be like, oh, Airbnb, like, because maybe if you're if you go, you're going in and saying your Airbnb, they see you as kind of like small, maybe like new to everything and you don't necessarily- no, Not necessarily Airbnb. small. I think it's more of a risk factor. When they see you, they're more, Airbnb stands for risk for them. You hear a lot of people, you see the news, you hear people tearing up Airbnb, shooting, having parties, um, just doing all sorts of different things when it comes to Airbnb and they don't want their, you know, their leases and their apartment complexes affiliated with that. So that being said, that's why they instantly kind of, you know, deny you or tell you on the phone that, yeah, no, we don't want that. And then it's not subleasing. A lot of people go in like, oh yeah, um, I'm going to be going in here. I'm going to put it in my name. And um, when I'm not there, I want to let my cousin or something stay. And, rent. and they're like, no. <laughs> so be, so that's considered subleasing. And subleasing is illegal. So you definitely don't want to go in, you know, preaching that. Got you. Now, I think one of the things that people, whenever they think of Airbnb, they're like, where do I, where do I start? How much money, like they, they, the name itself is like a incredibly strong buzzword. You know, people hear, oh, Airbnb, oh, you can get money. You can build. So they say to themselves, okay, what, how do I start? So, okay, let's say, for example, I wanted to start Airbnb, right? How much would I need? And then do I start calling, uh, apartment owners? Do I start calling houses that have like maybe another, you know, like how, how would I go about, securing that first uh so one of the things you definitely want to do is make sure you have all of your business records so once you have all of your business records you want to be you need about i'll say to start if you were going to do a two-bedroom two airbnb <clears throat> give or take about five six thousand dollars there's some people who do it at a cheaper level at about four thousand dollars you can get away with when you have people who are kind of like on the level that I am now, we don't have time to any, I still do shop at the thrift store here and there and kind of stockpile stuff. So most of that stuff I have on hand, but I no longer go where 
you know, like I need plates. I'm going to go to the thrift store and grab some plates because they're cheaper. So we just order plates and all of that offline. So when you're doing stuff like that, you're also getting most of your furniture offline too. You're going to spend about five or $6,000, but that's including getting the apartment ready, getting things down to like shampoo, coffee, coffee makers. But that should also be including your lease, the price to get into the apartment, as well as your deposit, as well as additional fees, because you're definitely going to have an administration fee. You're probably going to have a deposit. Sometimes they charge you an application fee as well. And just give or take the 5,000 doesn't have anything to do with if the apartment complex is charges you double because that's based on if they are charging you two to four hundred dollars to necessarily move into that apartment as a deposit you have some apartment complexes who would like double that so who more won't who want the same amount as the rent so if your rent let's say it's 1500 they may want 1500 as a deposit now so now you will have you're looking at more of like 7,000 because your deposit is not based off of um, a typical $400 um, deposit. And that just plays off if you still want that apartment. Do you want to go ahead and put down a $1,500 deposit? I necessarily, when someone comes to me and say that they want to put down $1,500, that's too much in the pot that they have and hold, hold to that I necessarily may not get back that $1,500. That's more money that's put in there to now when dividing it by 12 months to see how much money I'm going to make back. I'm already out of more money. So a lot of people just jump into Airbnb, I think too, and they have not added up all the costs. You have to remember if you're spending five or $6,000, you have to make that back before you're, you're making a profit, but you have to make that money back before you can even consider it a real profit, That's right. you know, which usually takes about two to three months. So you have to make sure that you know, okay, if you're going to add on another $1,500, then now that $1,500 plays a part in what the money you have to get back. Then you have to take into consideration, you may only sign a 12 month lease. What if this leasing company does not want to renew your lease after 12 months? Have you made your money back? Have, did you invest too much? Because you can invest too much into a property and you're making money and it seems like it because you can make, you know, two, three thousand dollars a month. But you have to, you know, you just have to add it all up to make sure it's making sense. Because there's some people who get properties out here for twenty seven hundred dollars a month. Wow. <laughs> and they have to make that first. So. If I'm I'm an apartment complex, right? And we there's apartment complexes all over, right? So you would go up to the apartment complex and say, "Hey, look, I'm a, a rental company. I want to uh, secure one of the, uh, the apartments or something of that nature." And then once you have it, then you furnish it, turn it into that Airbnb model, and then you would go ahead and place it on Airbnb and, and uh, Verbo and those different platforms. Yeah, that's definitely a way to do it, but you, you actually have to research first. So every property that I get in, I just jump into a property. We do, I have a whole team now too. So we really look into the property. We're looking at price. We're looking at, sorry, we're looking at price. We're looking at how much profit we're going to actually bring in from that actual unit. We're looking at the area. Uh, we're looking at how can you get in and out this unit? Because you can't just select the apartment and think it's okay because some 
Some apartments have key fobs, which means you cannot just easily access this apartment. You know, how how easy is it for the guests? You know, so all of this and next when we're going to after we have secured what locations that we want, that's when we basically go to that apartment and we ask those questions and we go take a look around the building to try to necessarily see, okay, how can the guests get in and out the building and ask those questions to the actual apartment comp? Does it have a pool? What's the access time of the pool? Do you let guests use the pool? You know, just different things. How how quick is your maintenance? What is considered that's the biggest thing to us your maintenance how quick what is a maintenance emergency to you guys because some people i've heard that people say that if your refrigerator break down that's not a maintenance emergency that's a maintenance emergency to us so things like that you have to pay attention and ask those questions and i noticed like i said uh, uh, some people who get into airbnb those are not questions that they focus on but that should be questions when you're dealing with not only apartments but houses because if you're dealing with a house you may have a landlord we have to think this is not an apartment complex this is necessarily a landlord. How quick is a landlord going to move? We all know that they're not going to pay a 24 hour anything to come out. So if the sewer pipe breaks, they're not paying no 24 hour person to come in the middle of the night and fix those sewer because they don't want that bill. So necessarily you can have a guest in there and a sewer pipe break. That's either something you're going to have to pay for and then bill the landlord. And then after you pay for it and they realize that you're building them, they don't, they're not going to want to pay it, you know? So, you have to really take in to what they're saying there. But yeah, you're definitely going to the apartments, pitching that, trying to see based on their tone and what they're saying back to you, if that apartment will be a, a good company. You're also trying to see what they're looking for. You have to ask them, you know, do you guys allow corporate leasing at this location? What mm. financials and stuff do you require at this location? Once they start letting you know that, that's what you base base um, getting your actual Airbnb on. And I think one thing that I've heard you say and sprinkle in is systems and teams that you have a team now. You you have people doing research. And I remember talking to Chris, and he was talking about things like Air DNA, Air DNA. And he was talking about things like um, Guestly as well. So when it when it comes to like Air DNA, are you using those tools? Are you using Guestly that like automates the the self uh, or the servicing of these uh, guests? Believe it or not, we do all of ours manually. My coach does too. I don't know if I really like took after him when it came for that, but yeah, I I typically do because I love Air DNA. I've tried it, but when I try Air DNA, based on some of the tricks that I did learn from the different coaches, I noticed that if people do different tricks with their Air Airbnb or on the Airbnb platform, Air DNA doesn't pick that up. So it necessarily could be giving you the wrong information because it doesn't not know that the Airbnb, the host is actually manipulating different things like myself. Sometimes if um, we want to take the price down, we'll take the price down super low, but we will raise the cleaning fee. So we're basically still making the same amount. That's kind of like a, a, one of the biggest tricks that they have. Well, AirDNA typically will just say that this unit is, is $50. But in reality, it's not $50. We put the money on the back end. We know what we're doing. And then we'll raise it back to how it was the week after. So now I'm thinking that these units are only making $50, $60. And they're typically not. AirDNA can't really catch sometimes that 
on Airbnb, Airbnb takes the smallest number that you charge and list that. So let's say if your whole month is $100 and you have one month that you list at 60, it's gonna put 60 up there. It's kind of like a clickbait because it'll make everybody click it because they're thinking it's $60, but in reality, that's only like one dummy date. Only one, definitely if you have where you have to book two days, they're thinking it's 60, but it's not. But it's causing people to click because they think that Airbnb necessarily is not going to pick that up. They're gonna necessarily pick the 60 versus, you know, the 100. So, and they're not able to really tell me, to me, a more adequate way of seeing the calendar and knowing how much somebody's booked. So we manually go in and look at a person's calendar because I can tell if the person took it off because some people will take their Airbnb off the market but still leave it. They will take it, snooze it down, but you'll still be able to see it on the Airbnb platform necessarily. You just can't book the dates. They'll block all the dates off of the calendar. So to Airbnb, that may just mean that it's still in rotation, but in reality, it's not. They just don't want to take it down and, you know, have to put it back up and lose their spot on where they have it on Airbnb. So you have to really pay attention to their calendars, look and see if they are getting booked. Um, is people staying more long term? Is their dates more spaced out? And it's just better. We have a whole system at manually doing it ourselves. So we really don't even need that because it's easier for us to go in there and click the button and look at what the, the ones that we consider competition um, because we're not looking at all places anyways. We're just looking at the ones that we consider comps for ours and we just pay attention strictly to those. Yeah, the ones that are maybe in that vicinity, the proximity, the ones yep. that people will be like, uh, between, all right, let me go with this one. And you always want to look at that, observe it and make changes. Like you said, maybe Lauren, the uh the price but then increasing the cleaning fees and that's that's really interesting because uh what's her name alexia right this alexis right or alexia right uh-huh and i see the way they furnish so what do you think about the whole furnishing of a airbnb and furnishing it and such i think i even saw one with you whereby you wear this black shirt and there's this like golden logo and then there was a photographer oh my god you really been researching <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yes, and let me shout out. I love Alexia. She does a fabulous job. She she is absolutely amazing at furnishing units. But yeah, so when we we have, I can furnish a unit and have a whole unit done in eight hours. Wow. So necessarily, I have systematically set up a system where we we pack up here. As soon as we know that we get into, we're getting a unit we kind of go into our system and the system is to get ready for each unit down to the coffee pot and boxing everything. We have an actual storage facility that we store everything and it's ready to go. That way the day of, we have different teams. So everybody's responsible for something instead of putting one person responsible for everything so that nothing really gets, you know, off track. Like the movers are just moving. The operation teams is doing the operations. And then we have the setup team, which is setting up doing pictures and hanging TVs. Everybody goes in to play their part. The movers are moving in, the setup team is setting up as the movers are moving in, the operations person, and then the cleaners comes in and shuts and cleans off everything. The unit's done and the photographer's there the next morning at 10 a.m. Wow. So with that being said, that goes to two when it comes to furnishing. We can't bounce around to different places trying to get furniture. 
You understand what I'm saying? Like we need all of our furniture now. I knew that was one of the biggest things I think that was a hindrance on trying to go find this and this and this. So I typically go to one place to try to find sofa beds. If that place does not have sofa beds, then we just order it. So mm. we order the sofa beds. We use a lot of the um, from Amazon and Wayfair, and we just have it delivered down to Walmart. Everything is inside of a portfolio. So we have an Amazon um, safe oh, portfolio. Wow. We have a Walmart safe portfolio, and we wow. have a Wayfair. We click a button, so we don't even have to go through no more. Like, let me click that I need this coffee pot. Like, if you click on Walmart, it'll add everything to the cart. If you click that's, inside that, it has everything and it's done down to the silverware. That's incredibly smart. So that way you don't got to spend the time manually adding each. It's just you We know, don't. Wow. Wow. I'm not and looking that, for anything anymore. We're not doing anything like that. We're just a click of a button. So far as like looking for furniture and stuff, like I said, besides the sofa bed, even we order all our bed frames from Walmart now. So like I said, it's a click of a button. If we are getting a two bedroom, so we click the portfolio for the two bedroom and it'll put everything for a two bedroom. Like our portfolios are down that organized. This is for a two bedroom. This is for a one bedroom. This is for, you know, and so forth. This is for a temporary rental. So when we click that button, everything's already done for us. Wow. Y'all, y'all hear this? This is, this is what it's called efficiency. Efficiency, you know, having systems in places, just being able to have things be on track not being railroaded not being you know tipped off balance like okay boom new unit boom hit that boom operations yeah. team and, and getting things done now as we be as we begin to wrap up what what do you think in terms of like because i saw you had like a client consultation and they were so happy you know like when you how do how do people reach you and then if they're interested, like what kind of journey do you take them through in terms of like helping them acquire that new Airbnb property? Absolutely. I have two different ways because I'm I'm not that coach that accept everybody. That's number one. I only accept one or two full time, which means they're going through my whole program at one time because I need them to have my undivided attention. And due to I do have a lot of other businesses, I got to make sure that I'm doing, you know, <laughs> making sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing so that we can get them. I have a 99% success rate. Let me say that <laughs> too. So I have each and every client except for one that I have, and it's a lot, has an Airbnb. So, and like I said, I take them down the journey of making sure that they understand how to get an Airbnb, how to find an Airbnb, the business of it. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's easy just to say, okay, how do I get it? What do I need to say? But no, 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 no. We need to make sure the operations is set up. We need to make sure the systems is set up. We need to make sure that your cleaning team, because a cleaning team can make a break a whole business, just a cleaning team by itself, making sure you have that, making sure that you know, you know what you're supposed to say to apartment complex, what you're not. I teach them even down to um, getting the units. I teach, I have a system that I have the clients who do my one-on-ones. We use a specific system that keeps everything in that system. So when they're calling the apartment complex, they can see hundreds of their apartment complexes that they put in all down. If they can, they can email from that same system, all of their documents are in one system. So if that apartment complex says, okay, well, I need your tax identification number. They hit one button 
it'll go to them. They're not looking around for stuff. That's what I try to make sure that they're avoiding time. The biggest thing, you know, in business is your time. You don't have time to be sitting, being really unorganized and, oh, let me look down a whole bunch of emails and try to find my tax ID number. No, you have that in one place so that immediately, because one thing these apartments do is they won't respond back after a while. If they're thinking you're taking a long time to find or they're thinking that you're not going to get approved, you, you, you really got to get everything you need into their hands immediately so that they can work on you. Because if not, they're working on the next person who's going to sign the lease. They don't just have you signing a lease. They have several people who are trying to sign a lease and they're trying to push anybody through. It may only be four apartments and they're going to push everybody through to see who's the first, you know, four who get those apartments. Yep. So you have to really make sure that you're having all of your paperwork. The other thing is when I'm, I don't have that type of time or I'm not coaching my one-on-one -on -one clients, I offer coaching calls. So a lot of times, as you, if you research my page too, some of them, even though they were like heartbroken that I didn't mentor them, and I told them, you may have to do a little bit of more legwork because I'm not helping you, but you can call me or you can schedule a call whenever you need help. You can buy the ebook. And the ebook is like a Bible to me. It took me a year. <laughs> so but this is not an ebook because number one i made sure the ebook that i created is straight to the point like that's one thing that i'm when i do stuff like that create ebooks and and or of a video i'm kind of really straight to the point i don't want anyone like sitting and, and i'm explaining something you know going on and on and on and on and on no no it's straight to the point um and now i have the video and the video is the key the video that that I just launched the key because now one of the biggest things in Airbnb and as many videos as people watch on YouTube, they've never had this part. They've never shown you in a, a live call actually with the apartment complex on what to say. It's easy to tell somebody what to say. Like, this is what you're supposed to say. This is, But sometimes it's hard to understand, but what if the apartment complex says this? What if they ask this? Well, what should be your tone? Well, what if I miss that? But now you're listening to a live call and you're seeing their responses and you're seeing me say back my response. So even if you were to put it in your own words, you kind of get the, the point of what it is. Man, and I, I love the fact that everything is so compact with you. It's so well thought of and you're, you're, you're preparing five, six, seven, eight, nine steps ahead of time so that when those things do occur, you're like, I check check I, I already got that on lock i already i already know that was going to happen yep. so i already got now the cleaning aspect because i i think i saw a couple the hatrimony or something like that they were talking about their cleaning business or something like that when it comes to the cleaning business for airbnb i'm assuming that maybe you outsource it to a team like you outsource it to maybe like a company that specializes in cleaning or airbnb cleaning or you put together a crew that you have like a checklist and this XYZ of what you're going to do. And, you know, maybe giving them like a brochure or pamphlet or like a checkbook, like, okay, make sure shower is clean, this scrub. Like, which way do you go? Do you manually build out the cleaning team or do you outsource the cleaning team? Well, I have actually did, um, I actually did both. I hired a cleaning team necessarily um when you get bigger they don't like to hire cleaning teams i'm gonna tell you why i hired a cleaning team because i necessarily don't want that 
big of a responsibility. Uh, even though it's costing me more money, it definitely is, but it's not costing me that much more money for my stress <laughs> to try to make sure that a person shows up to clean the unit. So I'd rather somebody else works on that. That way, also with my cleaning team and when you hire a company, the difference is if a person asks for a refund or anything that has to do with anything with cleaning that can be proven, that's not on me. The cleaning team, the cleaning company actually refunds that money back to them. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not out any money or anything like that, or I'm not stressing to make sure that this person receives a check. But at the same time, I did hire operations, not only one, two. So I have an operations manager and an assistant operations. And the operations, the assistant operations actually oversees the cleaning team. When I say that, they go in and do quality control. Once that cleaning team, because that's just a company, they go in from time to time and they double check to make sure, they check to make sure, have any of the towels been, you know, are they looking kind of crazy? Maybe the cleaning company didn't say anything. Um, is their beds looking kind of crazy? Maybe the cleaning company didn't say anything. Or are we missing anything? Are the locks still on the door? Is there anything broken? We have plants that may be broken, so we need to pull those out and replace those different plants um, inside the unit. So different things like that. Um, the quality control operations person goes into. So yeah, we definitely have a cleaning team and we have a person that overlooks the cleaning team. So that's, and one of the biggest things that I tell people, a cleaning team, I know you've heard this probably a thousand times, Kim, if they want to know what will break their business the quickest, it's your cleaners. Wow. Your cleaners will break it because if your unit is not clean correctly, definitely now in COVID, Airbnb can remove your listing and refuse to put it back up. Ooh, that's hurtful. And you'll have to, you can have 250 reviews and you had, you may have a new cleaning team and they have not cleaned the unit five or six times and people are sending pictures to Airbnb. They'll just, at this point, they just remove it. Jesus. I would hate, I think anybody would hate. Wow. That's the worst. That's one of the worst things that can happen. Okay. So, uh, Queen. The queen of Airbnb, she dropped the gems, guys. She dropped so much info, so much insight. See, if you're listening to the podcast and you're interested in Airbnb, I'm going to include the links to her Instagram, the ebook, the course, the videos, the everything. Uh, queen, is there, is there anything, any last words, anything you want to say? Where the well, I just want to say again, I am so proud of you for having this podcast. This is absolutely amazing. I can't wait to go up. I'm definitely going to share the link for, you know, my different squad on my Instagram and social media and Facebook to listen to it. I know they're gonna, I know they coming. So <laughs> definitely gonna listen to it. So congratulations on that. Um, I absolutely think, you know, you feel you should do a podcast like on your stove. Cause this is so dope. I think this is amazing. Cause there's a lot of people out here wanna know how, uh, I just heard that on Clubhouse. A lot of people don't know how to do podcasts. Yeah, I think it's one of those things like if you're eager to connect with people and like I'm honored that you're spending time because you have probably like five or six calls and they can be they can be and I can see the type of energy you're on. You <laughs> and they're all Airbnb calls. <laughs> Man, and that type of so energy. So I'm praying my team has answered it. And that's that's what the team and is for. I haven't seen them come back through, so I'm wondering if they answered those calls already. So I definitely apologize calls coming through. It's sometimes they get locked out of the gate, and it is, um, you know, what's today? All Star Weekend, so that's why it's blowing up like this. Man, everybody say bye to the queen so she can go and handle business. And again, if you're interested in anything Airbnb business related, I'm gonna leave all the links 
Marcia, thank you so much. God bless. Hey, I appreciate you for listening to the Mastermind Your Life podcast. Again, don't forget to follow me on Instagram, T-O-L-U dot O-W-O-Y-E-M-I. And blow up my inbox, man. I need to hear your suggestions, feedback, people I need to interview next, topics I need to cover. Again, I appreciate all y'all. And while you're at it, you might as well go to Apple and drop that review. Let's get it. Rah.